you would say, Lord, speak to me tonight. Strengthen us as a church, as an assembly. Lord, we have hands lifted up. We haven't come as a form or to see one another. We've come to meet you, the living God. So grateful for the words you've been speaking these last weeks, Lord. How it's given our hearts such a strength that you know the secrets of our hearts. Tonight, as Brother Tom was closing this morning, we want to find that silver dollar or dollar in that beach ball that's way out in the galaxies. We believe you know our name, you know our address, you know all the 16, 20, 25, 30 different things in our lives. We just want to get out of the way the Sunday afternoon, Jesus. Strengthen every person to receive the word of God. Lord, we're one day closer to the change, to the resurrection, and we don't want our schoolwork or our housework or our troubles to keep us, Lord, from receiving anything. So tonight, Lord, if there's any sickness among us, we pray that while we hear your word and in this atmosphere that you would heal the sick, deliver those that are bound and may scales just drop off into the pew. As we hear your word, that our ears would come open, Jesus, instruct us. We want to have the right attitude. We want to have the right approach. We thank you for every brother and every sister. We're a family. So as we come into these times of darkness and evil all around, we want to draw things up a little tighter. We want to appreciate one another and thank the Lord that we have these precious moments. Come among us tonight and water the word as we hear it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And they all said, let's turn to the book of Acts. Thank you, musicians, for your giving your gift to the Lord. Amen. We really appreciate that. And if everyone could just find their place tonight, we have a little bit of a serious uh subject and thing to speak about so i just ask everyone to be in prayer for us as we uh, speak about repentance again and uh, speak about this but it's kind of in a form of a question tonight i'd like to speak on what if someone does not repent what if someone does not repent and we just want to take that and pray and uh, we'll speak more about that as we have our seats in a moment but let's turn to acts chapter 5 It's one of these places that Brother Branham said the hour's arriving and the hour will soon arise when right among us the Holy Spirit will speak out like it did in Ananias and Sapphira. You remember that. God is going to dwell among his people. He said that in the last service that he uh, was here uh, with us in communion. He spoke about this. Acts chapter 5 verse 1. Everyone wants a book of Acts church. This is part of the book of Acts. A certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it or she knew about it and brought a a certain part and laid it at the apostles feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? 
Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. That's amazing. And how long did Ananias have to repent? Look at the next verse. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, or he died. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. Do you know when the last time for him to repent was? The last service. The service before this. Would you agree? Uh, if there's a time given for everyone and God's long suffering, not willing, willing that any should perish, it should have been before this meeting. Whenever this meeting took place, it should have been the meeting before. Something was in his heart and his wife knew about it too. So we see, and we're going to talk about Achan later too. We can see how a lack of repentance will affect the whole family. It will affect the church. We're going to find out in Joshua, God said, Israel hath sinned. So the church actually takes responsibility when there's sin in the camp. So you see in verse 5, Ananias hearing these things, he, he actually died and fear or respect came Upon them that heard these things and the young men arose and wound him up and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in and Peter answered unto her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, "Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, how is it? That you have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord. Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost or she died. It was immediate. It was sudden. And the young men came in. And found her dead. Now we're in the book of Acts. This is a book of Acts church. This isn't a revival where everyone's praising, thanking God. But this is what Brother Branham said would happen. The hours arriving when the days of Ananias and Sapphira would be in the church. In other words, when sin would be called out. But there would be also death that would follow that. Why? Because they didn't repent. In verse 10 she fell down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And there were they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch and of the dirt of the rest. Durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. May the Lord bless you tonight and bless his word to your hearts. You can have your seats. So help us out tonight as we minister the word of God. It's a positive token. And I saw Brother Mark Matul earlier. There he is. He, he came into our office this week. 
he was just going to go see Brother uh, Milko Ravbar with Brother Murphy. He, little did he know this is was was on our heart. And we just spoke, I think, for about two or three minutes, Brother Mark. But the thing, the very things you were speaking about were the things that were on our hearts to say tonight. And it's kind of a serious subject. And it's something that we just want to approach with the Holy Spirit helping all of us. Just uh, this afternoon when I was just in prayer, actually in my office at my house. And um, actually I was just down on my face, totally on my uh, face, praying to the Lord Jesus about this subject. What if someone does not repent? And it was like the Lord spoke into my heart and he said, all of God's children, his sons and daughters will repent. Hallelujah. That gave me a little strength to come tonight and minister what's on our hearts. Because the question is, what if someone does not repent? Last Sunday, we spoke about uh, witnessing true repentance and repentance being something where someone has a change of mind. They have a change of heart for the better. It's where a person heartily uh, um, is willing to look back to their past and admit what they were doing or saying or involved in was wrong. Then they express sorrow and a remorse about that. Then lastly, they're willing to make amends going forward to correct whatever behavior. And we talked about that, and I'm not going to get into a a lot of review. But Jesus said, uh, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. In Matthew and in Luke, he talked about bringing forth fruits worthy of repentance. And Zachariah, sorry, Zacchaeus uh, showed what real repentance was. And that was when he was converted, he immediately wanted to make things right. And that's really a heart of, of repentance, someone that has become softened, someone that is willing to make it right. But as it came into my heart this week in the form of a question, and we're going to look at a couple of things in the scripture. What if someone does not repent? And it's very serious. It's very, very serious. And I, I want to re- remind you that the token is positive and all of God's children will repent. So tonight is a service that if you are a believer, it's to encourage you and to provoke your heart to go all the way. Real repentance. But what if someone does not repent? As I was just preparing for this, even yesterday, I I was thinking of the quote that Brother Branham talked about Jacqueline Kennedy and why little Bethlehem. You remember Jacqueline Kennedy was married to John F. Kennedy. And he had been uh, chosen to be the president of the United States. And while they were in a motorcade in Dallas is when he was assassinated. And actually, out of shock, uh, Jacqueline Kennedy actually uh, f- f- fell out the back of the limousine as it was. And one of the se- Secret Service agents actually pushed her back in. And, and they were going immediately to the hospital. And I was just reading again today about that uh, Secret Service agent. But Brother Branham was speaking about Jacqueline Kennedy. This is in the 60s, 1963. And he said, Jacqueline Kennedy, this is out of the message Brother Tom was referring to this morning about the Gentiles. Why little Bethlehem? Why little Bethlehem? Do you remember Brother Tom saying, uh, Brother Branham, he's talking about Abraham having mighty men. Do you remember that? Brother Branham has mighty men. That's men and women that are willing to cut their way through all the unbelief. That's this message. 
when he said Jacqueline Kennedy and how she set the pace of women with all these waterhead haircuts and things and sexy dresses and all the, the way that she was dressing. Every woman in the country wants to wear them and you Pentecostals do too. He said, look, Jacqueline Kennedy never did hear a message like this. If she could have heard it, she might have repented long ago. Brother Branham used the words repented. He's talking about the president of the United States' wife, Jacqueline, that was a leader in in, um, fashion and a leader in hairdos that Brother Branham was preaching against. But Brother Branham said Jacqueline Kennedy never did hear a message like this. And if she would have heard it, she might have repented long ago. I say, God help us that has heard the message for so many years. Now, as I was preparing uh, for the service tonight, I I learned something this past week that was really important. I I know many of you would have already learned this, but Brother Branham many times would speak a very hard message. And uh, he would speak a very stern message to the church. But then if you'll notice... Coming right behind it would be another type of service or a message from the Lord. I want you to notice that. Even uh, you have heard about painted face Jezebel. I heard that this week. And you hear Brother Branham being so strong and so stern uh, about the church. And how people were dressing. How they were acting. How they were reflecting the the natural was being uh, reflected from the spiritual. Do you remember him talking about that? And you, if you want to listen to Painted Face Jezebel, it's 1956. It's October of the year that Brother Branham said it's this year where America will either sell out to the Lord and repent or it's going to go in another direction. And so he, he was very strong message in, in Painted Face Jezebel. But then just a few weeks later, he comes back to Jeffersonville and preaching, preaches a blushing prophet. This is November 1956. And if you remember that, Brother Murphy made reference to that on Wednesday night. And how Brother Branham in that service, remember, he would pre- he was very strong in painted face Jezebel. Uh, but he came back to Jeffersonville and preached on a blushing prophet. And he said, I'll be the first one to go down to the altar. How many remember that? He, he said, would you follow me? How many would follow me? And he went down uh, and was the very first one at the Branham Tabernacle that was repenting and crying out. And that would be a good message to hear. Say, why are you making that point tonight to us in, in the service? Because oftentimes the Holy Spirit might seem to be coming from a certain direction, very strong or very stern. It's like he's almost holding you down under the water. Or we've all been in services where... You, you left and you wondered if you even had the Holy Ghost or were, were a Christian. You know, you felt like running to the altar, even as a good Christian. Nobody's ever felt like that before. And then it just seems like the next service or in the next week or two, God will just bring another message. What is that? It shows the heart of the father and his bringing his family to their balanced spiritual life. It's not always going to be a certain way. When Brother Branham was preaching on the positive token, the positive token, it was very positive to the believers. But it was not positive to the Egyptians. Do we agree with that? Another example of that is Jezebel religion. 1961. If you want to hear another message. 
Brother Branham preaches in uh, March 1961. Jezebel religion. He's very strong. He's very just. It just seems like my if that kind of a message would even be preached in a message church, it would be amazing. He was very strong and very stern and open. But the very next few weeks, he comes back in Jeffersonville and preaches the true Easter seal. So it's like on one side, he's just leveling out there and like fire and brimstone. Then on another side, he brings the Easter seal. You say, why are you saying that, Brother John? Because there is a time to repent. There is a time when God's goodness and God's grace... Is being extended to a person. But then there comes a time when God's spirit does not strive with that person no more. And that led me to the question. What if someone does not repent? What if someone resists the Holy Ghost? What if someone like Ananias and Sapphira. If you look back to Acts chapter 5. Would you like to go back to Acts chapter 5? Ananias and Sapphira. Would have been considered message believers. They were in the church. They were part of the book of Acts. They had a name. Ananias and Sapphira. And if you want to do a little study on it. As I did. And you, I know the, the message hub will soon be released. In the iOS Apple version. But that's one reason why I've kept the Android all these years. Brother Tim. Because I use that to study. And you can just see what Brother Branham speaks about. These scriptures and things. And Brother Branham speaks about Ananias and Sapphira. As possibly being some of the biggest givers in the church. Financially. So when they sold a certain parcel of land and brought a certain do- donation or gift to the church, it, w- it, it was probably huge. But where it was an error is they, they failed to say this is, th- this is what the, we, we sold it as and this is, you know, what a great gift, but it wasn't all that they had sold it for. And the husband and wife were privy to this and you can see how fast and how quick When someone does not repent, what God will do for them and in their lives. You know, God's grace is very long-suffering. I wrote it on the platform here this morning when Brother Tom was speaking. Uh, uh, Don't turn to this, but in Peter, in 2 Peter said, The Lord is not slack or lazy concerning His promise. Can you say, Lord, thank you, Lord, for not being slack. That's positive. But he's also not lazy about his promises when someone fails to go all the way. And that's what Peter is saying. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering, long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All of us. I was thinking as Brother Tom was speaking and mentioned the ministry Don't you all want to see one another make it? Do we all want to see everyone make it? I mean, from the children to the teenagers to the middle-aged to the older ones. We want to see you make it. We want to see you make it as part of those that are have the Holy Ghost and are changed. We want to see you on that great day when the roll is called up yonder. We want to see you there. This morning... Uh, it could have been this afternoon I reached out to someone that, you know, done us great damage, was in our church for some time. But I reached out to them today. It's just the love of God and God's mercy. 
No one else needs to know their name or who it was, but it's just like God is long suffering. He's long suffering, but there will come a time when his long suffering will end. I want to remind you tonight positively, all of God's children will repent. But we were in the scripture in Acts chapter 5 and we read about Ananias and how that he was spoken to by Peter and and he gave up the ghost. But if you notice in verse 3, Peter said unto Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? To keep, to keep back part of the price of the land. So it wasn't just the church or the minister he was lying to. It was the Holy Ghost. And how quick did he have to repent? Then as we look down after they had buried him in verse 6, the young men that wound him up and carried him out. And three hours later, his wife, Sephora, comes in not knowing what was done. And we see the very same thing happening. In verse 9, Peter said unto her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Question mark. Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. And she fell down straightway, or immediately, and she passed away. And these young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her forth buried her by her husband. When you see verse 11, that great fear came upon the church and those that had heard about this. And verse 13, that, that there was people that didn't even want to join themselves to the believers because they could see that something was happening here that's serious. And tonight is serious. Just a few minutes, friends, we're going to be going back home, maybe or going. You can rest a little bit at home, but tonight's service is serious. It's another time to where the judgment of God begins at the house of God. It doesn't just begin at your home or at the school or at camp. It begins at the house of God. That, that's where the word goes out, where we judge ourselves. And every son of God and daughter of God is given a space to repent. And it's in you to repent. But what if someone does not repent? Let's just read here verse 14 as it's part of the scripture. And believers were more added to the Lord. Multitudes, both of men and women. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them that were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed. Everyone, everyone. And we see the high priest rose up and they all, they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees and they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors. Amen. It's good to be on the Lord's side. Hallelujah. If Peter would not have been walking with the Holy Ghost, the angel of the Lord would not have opened up the prison. In this one chapter and in the few verses, we're just showing you how the Holy Ghost confirms his word. 
We have Ananias and Sapphira, and I'm sure uh, you can look it up. Brother Bradham talked about Peter and them being ignorant and unlearned, not hardly being able to write their name out. But God was vindicating their lives. You have not lied to just men or to the preachers or to the church. You've lied to the Holy Ghost. It's amazing. They might have been ignorant and unlearned to the world, but to God, there was power. So much to where people were wanting to just be in their shadows. If I could just be in their shadows. Uh, Verse 19 and 20. These are our last two verses here. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Amen. To follow in repentance is to have life. But to reject the word for your day will produce death. And this is what Brother Mark and I just for a couple of minutes were fellowshipping on. I want you to listen really closely tonight on what if someone does not repent. If the Holy Spirit speaks, I'm going to ask a question tonight. If the Holy Spirit speaks to a person and they refuse to obey or yield to the Holy Spirit, what then? This is an open book question tonight. If the Holy Spirit speaks to a person and labors with them and they do not repent, what then? If the Holy Spirit speaks for someone to repent and turn to God and be baptized and God would fill them with the Holy Ghost, but they refuse to repent, God will not fill them with the Holy Ghost. So if God deals with a person, The Holy Spirit's dealing with them to repent, change your mind, change your ways. And they get stubborn and they push that off. What then? And if the Holy Spirit speaks as he did through Peter in Acts 2 to repent and be baptized and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. And you say, well, Brother John, people's received the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts without even ever being baptized. But if you notice, when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, immediately they went and were baptized. So evidence that it was the Holy Ghost that fell on them was they were obedient to the word of God. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to a person. And just brooding on their heart for a deeper walk. As our brother George sang this morning. And we sang the songs, just a closer walk. And just a closer walk. And God's dealing with you for a deeper consecration. A deeper uh, surrender to God. And a person does not go that way. They're just too busy. They're just too caught up. And then it leans toward the world. And it leans toward the things of just Laodicea. What's going to happen to that person? You know, these things are very valid because it brings to our hearts the forefront. Every son and daughter of God will repent. Hallelujah. I was looking and looking away to Jesus. This is 1963. And Brother Branham said he was talking about how when there's a tightening and a, and a squeeze comes down on the church. He said that's when the time comes and the press comes to a place where you're pressed out. Then watch what's fixing, what I'm fixing to tell you in a few minutes. Watch the third pull then. It'll be absolutely to the total loss, but it will be for the bride and the church. 
How many believe we're in the time of a squeeze? How many believe we're in a time of a tightening up? And, you know, friends, this is last Thursday morning, just coming across the border. I was just in the Nexus lineup, just waiting, waiting. We were coming to meet the ministers for a morning breakfast. And I thought, you know what? It may not always be like this. It's not always going to be like this where we can cross borders. Is everybody awake tonight? Uh, I mean, the, the things that we should cherish and appreciate every moment, especially in the climate that we're living in right now globally, we need to cherish and appreciate our times together. We can all get lazy and slothful and just think life is going to go on and going to go on and going to go on. It may, it's not always going to be like this. And we need to cherish one another. Instead of being skeptical and, and looking at everyone's hinder parts, it's time that we that have received the grace of God, we that have received the love of God, be shedding that abroad. That is the token. I don't know, maybe you don't think like that, but it's not always going to be like this. That we can worship like this. Just ask the believers in China what they've done for the last month. Without services and without fellowships and, and, and quarantined in a little room. Just a few rooms of their house. What are you going to do after a day, three days? I mean, now you'd say, well, we drive one another crazy. Well, what are you going to do for a month? What happens to your paycheck? What happens to this? And what happens to that, friends? We need to seize upon the moment. And if God is leading you to repent or to bring a change in your life, the time is now. Don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. You know, I confirmed with Brother Andrew Spencer just today how old he was when he gave his heart to the Lord. He was 20 years old. It was 12 years ago. You remember the testimony. How God brought the fire, allowed the fire for Brother Ronald Spencer to be a testimony globally. But it was through that time of that year and them coming to our camp and stepping off into the street in Victoria, B.C. For a, a, a man that was raised in the message. I, I'm bringing you down a certain way of thinking. 20 years old in the message. And he's already married. Has wonderful father. Wonderful mother, would you agree? I mean, in a minister's home, yet he's never been saved. Never had the Holy Ghost experience. Could it happen to one of our children? Could it happen here in Canada, in Washington State, or globally? I say yes. And if it happened for Brother Andrew, where a father and a mother, a church, a family of believers had to wait for a young man... To come to himself after all those years, then we are willing to wait and tarry for however long it takes. But there will come a time when the door is shut. And God's grace and God's mercy and God's love and God's working. The very Noah that was standing on one day, one Sunday saying, come into the ark, come into the ark. Whosoever will come into the ark. You're all welcome. Let's go. Let's be saved. The next Sunday, God shut the door and there was no repentance. You can bang on the door. You can cry out to his wife or I'll try one of his daughters. The door was shut and it wasn't Noah that shut the door. It was God that shut the door. And this Sunday, the door is open. 
As far as I know, March the 1st, the door's open. Are you listening? But by next Sunday, it might be closed. These things are serious about when it comes to the tightening and when the press comes in and when you're pressed. Watch the third pull then. It'll be for the total loss, but it'll be for the bride and the church. We're getting closer. He said closer. I don't know when, but it's real close. I may be building a platform for somebody else to step on. I may be taken before that time. I don't know. That time may be this coming week that the Holy Spirit will come and bring Christ Jesus. He may come this next week. He may come yet tonight. I don't know when he will come. He doesn't tell us that. But he will come. God help us to be ready. Let's turn to Joel chapter 2 as we turn... On a Sunday night, you know, just a couple more weeks, I think, and then we'll be into spring break time for many of our young people. And if the Lord would tarry, there might be a summer time and there might not be Sunday night services. So we need to treasure Sunday night services. We need to look at it as another opportunity. But what about it if someone does not repent? What if someone just hardens their heart and just keeps pushing against that? Joel chapter 2 is an encouragement to all of us and the, and the leadership and those that would be in your households and in the church. Joel 2 verse 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Joel. 2.15, blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders and gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priest and the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, where is their God? I just think it's wonderful as you look down through this preparation for the upcoming revival that God was going to do. You can look over in verse 23. The rain begin to come. In verse 24. The floor shall be full of wheat. Which is the word. And the fat shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years. That the locust hath eaten. The canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm. My great army which I sent among you. And you shall eat in plenty. And be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dwelt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. Hallelujah. But what goes before that is men and women that are serious. A solemnness. A preparation. Verse 27. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. And that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. You know in the junction of time in Jeffersonville. Just listen to what a prophet said. The unsearchable, the unreasonable thinking of man can never comprehend the miraculous. The unsearchable, 
The unreasonable thinking of man can never comprehend the miraculous. You have to come in contact with omnipotence. Then when you do that, you're in contact with the supernatural. Your life changes. Your thinking changes. Your mind changes. You're made different. Your sickness is finished. God's great power moves in. Moses at the bush. He saw and heard the omnipotent. And he's seen the miraculous. God wasn't satisfied with giving Moses just a message. To go down and preach along to the Egyptians. And to preach to the Israelites. That message was for the believers. God's not interested in just a message. Just for the world and just for the bride. You say, well, it's for whosoever will. And and he sent his son. Yes, it's for a people that would repent. Not everyone will repent. If there's not a seed of God in a person to repent, they will not repent. And they harden their heart. And no matter what kind of ministry, no matter what kind of a mother or father or deacon or trustee or traveling evangelist or prophet or pastor, that it just seems like they harden their hearts. I pray God help us tonight. I pray there be no one here in our church that would fall into that category of people that will not repent. If God wasn't satisfied in just giving Moses a message to go down and preach to the Egyptians and to the Israelites. And everybody's going and we're all going to heaven. Not everybody's going to heaven. And if you want to apply the token, you have to be living the token yourself. You say, I want to apply the token. I want to pray for my loved ones. But you're not living right. You're living in sin. That person needs to apply the blood themselves first. Before you can say, well, I, I need this for my son or this for my daughter. You know, friend, I'll be honest as a minister. When someone, my first question is, are we living right? What's the atmosphere like in their home? What, what have we done? We, we can ask for a prayer. We can ask for a visit. We can try to say, well, I need a miracle. But are we living right? Does the angel of the Lord feel welcome to come to that house? Oh, God, help us tonight. You know what, friends, uh, this past Monday, there was a memorial service for Kobe Bryant and his daughter that went down in the airplane and the helicopter crash. And I was just observing some of the speakers, some of the world uh, known, world famous uh, basketball players and musicians. And they just had the best over 24,000 people. And they, they were they were giving worship to their idol that had passed away. And one after the other was like, oh, you know, Kobe, take care of Gigi up in heaven. And oh, they're up in heaven and they're up in heaven. And I'm thinking, really? Really? God's going to hold you to a certain standard and make you toe the line and and walk a certain way. And then he's just going to let everybody into heaven. Not everybody's going to heaven. You know, take care of Gigi up in heaven and oh, they're over in heaven. And friends, it's not the truth. They're living a fantasy. And I pray God gives mercy. And I I don't know where they stand with God. Do you understand tonight? I hope that there is grace. He was at a church that, that Sunday morning at seven something in the morning. Wouldn't it be amazing if somehow there was something in his heart? 
But we spoke to the young people. Even at camp, I reminded them of, of the 13-year-old daughter that went down with him. She had went to a lot of basketball camps. She had been to a lot of other camps. But did she ever, like Jacqueline Kennedy, was she ever in a Holy Ghost-filled meeting where the Holy Ghost was being projected? And you must have the Holy Ghost. Or was it always, oh no, just be the best star and you're going to University of Connecticut and, and where you can do this and you don't need to drive across LA. You can take a helicopter and you don't need to worry about nothing. Was that the greatest thing or is the spiritual things the greatest things? I hope you're not misinterpreting Brother John tonight. When I was observing one after the other say, they're up in heaven, they're up in heaven. And I thought, really? Are they really there? Or has Satan got a whole generation of Hollywood and entertainment and he's got the web and he's got those people and they have lied to one another and they live in a bubble. I think I've spoken this. Is this okay tonight? We're we're talking about someone that does not repent. I used to have a manager. Some years ago when I was working in the grocery store and it was actually a, a, a woman was my manager. And she smoked and she wore pants and she cussed and all those things. And she just believed when she died, she was going to heaven. You, you couldn't convince her any other way. It's like, you know, I'm good to people and I don't rob, I don't kill people. And she's in pain. She's smoking. I'm like, you know, how can God just take everybody into heaven? Well, we're quiet tonight, but I think it's good to examine ourselves. Not everybody's going to heaven that says they're going to heaven. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Lord, take a little broken up message tonight. You know, really, this is all we have in life is spiritual things. Then we have a natural life and we go out from here. But really, if we never find this omnipotence, if we never find Christ... If we never come to a change in our lives, if we just live numbly and can live for maybe years, come up through our teenage years, come to church, be a good person. Be a good person. Maybe even marry somebody in the church. It's a good person and still not be saved. Still not have the Holy Ghost. Brother Andrew wouldn't mind me saying it. I, 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 I communicated with him today. It's very dangerous when when we create an environment that we're just all okay and we're just all going that way when really it's not okay. And we hear about the token. We hear about desperation. But to them it was physically. They had to make contact and apply the blood. Today it's, it's individuals have got to apply the blood themselves. Let me ask you a personal question. What happens to a young person... That comes up through the age of accountability. When Brother Branham said, when you're born, an angel's assigned to you. You you can research this yourself. Then when you come to the age of accountability, then the Holy Ghost is supposed to lead you. So whatever age that is for the individual. If it's 9 years old, 10 years old, 11, 12, 13, they become accountable. That means they, they understand, I was born in sin. I'm a sinner. 
And God begins to make that real to them and 13 and 14. And then that angel begins to depart and they should receive. I'm just asking you openly tonight. What happens to that person if they don't repent? And then they go 14, 15, 16, 17. And they can live so long in the shell of, of this good environment and, 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 and positive token. And we can cover them. But what happens to them when they become 17 and 18 and graduate and then go out into the real world? Go out into the, find out there's, there's, a, there's a world out there. Can I be honest tonight? If they never repent. They're not going to make it. They must repent and receive the Holy Ghost. You know, and we cannot help an eagle that's trying to pick out of its shell. And if you try to rip it open and say, you you, know, they don't have enough strength themselves. They need that strength. They need that groaning. Sometimes they need to hit the wall and fall down. And, you know, you just can't pay their way out of all their troubles. We've got to meet the Lord. Our children need to meet the Lord. The same God that you and I met, they've got to meet. And, and, and a real birth is always a mess. Whether it was 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, or five minutes ago, when a person realizes they're lost or they need the Holy Ghost or, you know, I'm a really good person, but I've never really met God. We need the Holy Spirit to like a laser to just keep that on that person. We don't need to close with a real praise God song and let them go out. Let them go out to Starbucks and go out to Tim Hortons. Now they got a car. Now they got their friends. Now they're grabbing their phone as they go out. And now they're, they've got five Texas waiting for them. And, and, and we can talk in the hallway for longer than we prayed pre-service. And we can get back in the groove and we can get, you know, we got things going on and well, we got plans. And if we're not careful, it can become a lifestyle where someone has never repented. I say, God, help us. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. We're going to speak about Esau here. And you know Jacob and Esau and how Jacob, back in Genesis 25, and Jacob and Esau, they had that discussion, and Esau despised his birthright. But we find Paul in Hebrews 12, 14, follow peace with all men and holiness Without which no man shall see the Lord. Or without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. And thereby many be defiled. I have it sprinkled through my notes tonight. Don't let that be you. Is that okay? When we find a verse like this in the Bible, we need to say, God, don't let me fail the grace of God. You might fail a test, fail a driver's test, fail a certain exam. You might think your whole life's a failure. You might be 58 tonight or 64 or 79 and think like your whole life is a failure. But if you don't fail with Christ, that's the main thing. Say, but I don't have a ticket, I don't have a degree, I don't have a lot of money, I don't have a lot of inheritance. It's the spiritual part that's the main part. Do we agree tonight? 
So we see in verse 15 about the grace of God and the root of bitterness springing up and it begins to trouble a person. And then many, so it's not just them, but many start being defiled. But verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Is this incredible? Some of you that are writing notes, maybe just put a little note. Genesis 25, verse 30 to 34. Jacob and Esau. Esau was the firstborn, Jacob. And Esau comes back and he's hungry. And he was willing to give up the whole birthright. For just a little pottage and a few lentils. The whole experience of being the firstborn. He gave it up. For just a fleshly, carnal pleasure. But if you want to read the Bible, it says Esau despised his birthright. He looked at it and he despised it. Oh, God help us. We can have it so good and we start despising the song service, the ministry, the camp, the Sunday school teacher. We start to despise one another. Things start creeping in. God help us. But in verse 16, you find this fornicator or profane person as Esau. He's putting it all on the same level. Fornicator, profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Is that what your Bible says? God help us tonight. You say, Brother John, if someone comes and wants to repent any time of the day, any time, they're going to be accepted. That's not what the Bible says. He heard the word. He, he knew exactly what he was doing. Brother Branham applied this to the Holy Ghost. And how Esau was focused on the birthright. I've got to get the birthright. Esau despised that. He said, that that's not the main thing in his life. And Paul, in verse 16, is equating that to a fornicator and a profane person. And verse 16, we find that when Esau could have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. Oh, my loving brother. Oh, daughter of God. For he found no place of repentance. Though he sought it carefully with tears. I want to change. I need a change. Change my heart. It was too late. Oh, you say, Brother John. You know, some of you older ones remember back in the 70s and 80s how you'd have ministries that would preach and was so strong and so heavy. It was just like such a time in the message. People were sensitive. People were coming out of the world. They were coming out of denominations. They loved any moment in the presence of God. They were willing to come early. They were willing to linger late. They were willing to be serious. Now we've come to another time in the message. When Satan has caught people's appetites and so dwindled it down to just a few minutes or just a a few highlights or just a few hit phrases. 
But the Bible is still true. There will come a day when people are, I'm ready to repent. I'm ready. And God, it's not going to be there for them. And my heart goes out to that person tonight. Don't let that happen to you. We could talk about Judas and we could talk about Peter. And I'm just going through these quickly in our notes here to just hit your heart just for a moment. These were two disciples of the Lord Jesus that were part of the revival and part of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And when Judas, it was the love of money and it was just the love to be popular. You listen to what Brother Branham said about Judas. He didn't think that Jesus was really going to be crucified. He thought that he would get out of that like all the other times. But when he realized, I, 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 innocent blood, I betrayed it. And he came in and threw the money down. My life is over. I mean, look at all of that. Look at what I've done. And tonight in this service, I'm not speaking about the past. I'm speaking about from this moment on and spiritually. Judas denied the Lord. He gave him a Judas kiss. He was close to Jesus. But when he realized what he had done, he committed spiritual suicide. I'm making it spiritual for us tonight because that's where many people are at. They just throw it in and they walk away. But Peter was also a disciple of the Lord. He denied the Lord. He cursed and swore and said, I don't even know the man. He had every opportunity to do the same thing as Judas. But instead of that, he found a place of repentance. He found his way to the upper room. He was the one that Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom to. And I don't know who the Lord would be speaking to tonight, but don't be a Judas. You say, well, I feel like a Peter, brother John. I feel like I've made shame of the gospel or my family or the message or, or whatever. But look at Peter's life. He was a leader in the revival. God didn't throw him to the side, but he used Peter greatly in the New Testament. Let's turn to first Peter chapter four and our time is getting away, but there's a few scriptures that I'd like to read with you tonight if it's okay. I know it's an unusual, I mean, to put a title like that out there. What if someone does not repent? It's kind of odd. First Peter chapter four, this is the same Peter that denied the Lord. Now God's using him to influence us here at Cloverdale on March the 1st, 2020. Is that incredible? Is that incredible? I mean, a person that could have walked away. Now we find in 1 Peter 4, verse 17. For the time is come. It was like an announcement. The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. For if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? So there are people that will not obey the gospel. But don't let that be you. Verse 18, and if the righteous scarcely be saved, if the righteous scarcely be saved, 
Where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? I, I was trying to think of the scripture. Maybe somebody could help me. It, it says in the scripture about uh, it would be so close that it, it would deceive the very elected. It, if it was possible. It's going to be that close at the end time. The, the, the very elected, if you want to use Peter's words, if the righteous scarcely be saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Can I say tonight it's those that will not repent? Verse 17 says, the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. That word judgment is a decree or a condemnation of wrong or where there's decisions that are being made whether severe or mild, at the house of God. Judgment beginning at the house of God is a place where punishment is given and a sentence is declared, judicially decided. It's a case in court. To judge means to determine, to condemn the wrong. And call things that are in question to call it out. Say, where is that supposed to happen? In the house of God. At church. In the house of God. That's where judgment should begin at. When judgment is correct from the pulpit, it gives courage to the young people. It gives courage to young married couples. It gives the word is like a, it's like a lightning bolt into a father. It gives him courage to go apply the token. Where's it supposed to begin? In the house of God. The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God means where we esteem the right, where we separate and where we choose, where we approve the right and we deem something that is wrong, we call it wrong. It's where something that is right, we say that is right. It's where we encourage one another to think right, to act right, to receive the Holy Ghost. We're in church tonight. This is where the Holy Ghost. How many sensed that this morning at the close of the service? And Brother Tom had a stand. Who sensed the Holy Spirit among us? Just, just right there among us. Just there pulsating. It's just like we just felt like lifting our hands and surrendering and yielding. Saying, God, do whatever you want to in our lives. Did anybody else feel that way? What if in that presence we're always like this? And we're always bored. There's no interest. There's no desire. That's when we need to pray, God, send your goodness by their way. Send a softening. Send your Holy Spirit, God. Because judgment must begin at the house of God. It's like a summons to a trial where, where a case is examined and where it's looked at and where judgment is passed. I'm just taking this right out of the Greek. Where the ar- arbitrators look at a matter of common life and they pass judgment about deeds and about words of others. And to where the Holy Ghost rules and he governs the church and he presides with power, with judicial authority. Where is that to happen? In the house of God. And that's where we need to pray for our ministers. Hello? Pray that God would give them every every word and every thought would be the thoughts of God. Give us actions. Give us the very pulsation is the Holy Ghost. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 now. 
1 Corinthians chapter 6. Aren't you thank God that the message has come with grace? Oh, I'm thankful too. The fivefold ministry ministers with grace. We're thankful that Christ has come in with grace. But don't refuse that. Don't let it become common to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to start reading at verse 2. I'm just carrying this thought of judgment and repentance and bringing it right on down into our daily lives here. Paul to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know you not that we shall judge angels? Are we reading together? Verse 2 says, do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? Verse 3 says, know you not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. This was Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. I hope that we've grown after seven ages. I believe we have. Paul said, I speak to your shame. It it is so that there is not a wise man among you. No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. I'm just bringing you back to verse 2 and verse 3. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? Do we believe that tonight? Verse 3. Know you not that we shall judge the angels? Then I pray God give us a really Holy Ghost discernment. All of us. And a real wisdom. Choose you out men that had wisdom. They had the Holy Ghost. But they had wisdom. It was amazing, Brother Tom, wasn't it? We were in a meeting the other day with Brother Biscoll. And Brother Biscoll used that scripture. And he said in the book of Acts, when they were speaking about the deacons, it talked about choosing out those that had the Holy Ghost, but had wisdom to be the deacons. So it's possible to have the Holy Ghost and not be on the level of having wisdom. There's gifts of wisdom. There's men and women that operate with certain gifts. And we need to let the Holy Ghost use the gifts in the body. Lord, let the Holy Ghost pulsate down to that gift in our lives. Let me just say after verse 2 and verse 3 about we'll judge the world and, and that we will judge angels. If we cannot stand before the judgment of the word now or, or to his people, how are we going to stand then? You know, a good message to hear this week would be souls that are in prison now. And Brother Branham talked about people that said, oh, a person just says, oh, they're in, they're in hell's flames fires. He said, no, God doesn't put a man into hell's fires. They come to the judgment first. That's the white throne judgment. Do you know tonight that you and I as the bride are going to judge the earth and judge angels? Then how? That's in the future. But we're never going to make it to that status if today in this status we're not able to judge the matters of this life. 
Things that come up and things where there needs to be a decision made. That's where tonight what we're speaking about repentance is so vital. Can I just carry on for just a moment? You know, in oncoming storms, that's another good message to listen to. Oncoming storms. Brother Branham said, you see the newspapers and the oncoming storms and the oncoming plagues and storms that shall hit the earth. Thunders and lightnings are going to shake the heavens. Woes are going to pass over the nation. Men will rot in their flesh. Diseases will strike them. The doctors knows nothing about. Have we arrived? I know that we're later on a Sunday night. This is up to date. This is current events. We have arrived to a time when diseases will strike when doctors know nothing about it. And Brother Branham said, but remember, before that took place, there was a sealing went forth. And the death angels and the plagues was commissioned by God. Don't come near to any of those who has the seal in their forehead. And the seal of God is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill every person in our church. Fill us with the Holy Ghost. If there are some that have never received it, may they find a place of repentance. If those have received the Holy Ghost, give us a double portion. That is our inoculation. Don't depend on Canada, the United States, China, or wherever to protect you then. It's going to be the Holy Ghost that the bride has that's going to keep away these diseases. I don't know what it's going to shake some individuals, but there needs to come a time when a person gets real serious with the gospel. Time isn't just going to continue on and on and all the nonsense and playing around. That's in my next quote. Right in Victoria, Brother Bradham said, Oh, if people would just get away from all this nonsense of the days of miracles is past and no such a thing as divine healing. Just get alone somewhere and stay with God until you hear that voice that says, I'm the Lord thy God that heals all thy diseases. God, help us to get alone tonight. I am the Lord thy God that heals all thy diseases. All my diseases. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's where you'll find God. Friends, we have come into a time when diseases and things were doctors and viruses. They're not going to be able to find the answer. But Brother Branham was pointing us to Ephesians 4. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of your redemption. No matter how hard the ark rocked, no matter how many times the lightning struck close to it, ten thousand shall fall on your right hand, thousands to your left, and it shall not come nigh thee. Amen, Lord. Inoculate us tonight with the Holy Ghost. Friends, we don't know if we're going to be allowed to see you Wednesday night. I'll just be real honest with you. We don't know if we're going to be here next Sunday. And I'm not even just speaking the resurrection or rapture. I'm speaking about physically. And we're not in panic. And we're not taking our cues from the news. We're taking it from the word of God. But when the squeeze comes down, when the pressure really strikes the bride, watch the third pull then. So in conclusion tonight, what if someone does not repent? Let me just say three positive things first. The message has come with a lot of grace. And I thank the Lord for that. 
number one. Number two, the fivefold ministry ministers with grace. They'll reach down, they'll reach aside, they'll reach up, they'll do whatever it takes. It's like, can we get your attention? The fivefold ministry, and especially those that minister locally, minister with a lot of grace. And number three, we're thankful that Christ has come to us in grace. But if that Christ, and this is the message tonight, if that Christ that has been speaking to us is not received, there will be condemnation. And there will be judgment. If an individual rejects this message, which is Christ, they are rejecting their grace for this generation. And let me just tell you something. We all, that's Brother John, that's nice. And we take that. Most of the world don't believe that. People that have left the message don't believe that. There's only a little few that actually believe that this message is our grace. But how can a person reject that message and fail to repent? And then just think, oh, at the end, everybody's going and everybody's in. To me, this is the grace of God. You know, when the Holy Spirit speaks through an office of the fivefold ministry and it's not received and it's not walked in. God in His godly graces, trying to minister to our hearts through the five-fold ministry. And a person rejects that. They won't listen. They do something opposite. There's spiritual consequences to that. There's, there's consequences that will follow the life. Can we go back to Ananias and Sapphira? It wasn't Peter. It wasn't the church. It wasn't all the other nice people. It was the Holy Ghost. So you're putting fear on the people. No, that's a lot of respect for what the Holy Spirit would say to the church. I would say, God, by your goodness, drop it down into our hearts. And lastly, I just want to say this. If God sent a prophet with a message and a person rejects that, there is no more grace for them. How could God Almighty... Send a message through a prophet. And someone that's a predestinated seed. Reject that message. Something's wrong. You say, Brother John, you're, you're, you're talking about someone. You're pointing. No. I, I say, Lord, let us look on ourselves. Have we repented? Have we gone all the way ourselves? If you look in Romans 10, the Bible talks about those that have not obeyed the gospel. And they're disobedient and the gainsayings. Let's turn to our last scripture tonight in Joshua. Can we turn to one last scripture? Yes. Joshua. I just have a few more minutes. Can we take them? I'll bring you a good report from the Renton church. We slipped down there Friday night and Brother Peter, Ivan Ankle spoke a wonderful message. In fact, uh, he spoke what Brother Tom spoke this morning. That was his title. He spoke about the words of life. That was his whole title. That, he spoke the message. I said, what God's doing here, he's doing in Africa, India, China, Europe, around the world. God's getting his bride ready to leave. 
Amen, friends. And they're doing well and they greet you in the name of the Lord. Joshua chapter 6. We can see what our brother Tom has been speaking about is a token revival was happening in Joshua chapter 6. We, we see in Joshua chapter 6 a lady that received her true token and, and she repented and her and her house was saved. Praise the Lord. We'll call it a token revival. But if you look in chapter 7, verse 1, what we want to look at in closing was someone that was in the message again. They had come out under Moses' token message years ago. They had children. Now they had all kinds of tents and, you know, you can, we'll, we'll read it in conclusion. They had sheep, they had daughters, they had sons, they had oxen and asses. They had accumulated wealth throughout their time in the message. But right in the middle of the revival of the token, something, a curse came into somebody's heart. And we see that in chapter 7, verse 1. The children of Israel, look how the Bible says it so plainly. The children of Israel committed a trespass. In the accursed thing for Achan, the son of... And it goes on to speak about this. He took of the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And we see in verse 2, and you can read on down through here, how they went to Ai and 36 brothers were killed. And Joshua in verse 6 rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening tide. He and the elders of Israel put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God. And it goes on to speak about this. In fact, there's an exclamation mark in my Bible after verse 7. What about your Bible? And verse 8, exclamation. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? And God didn't like that, that Joshua was just laying around. He was burdened and he was the leader. But it's like verse 10. Get up. Where, where lies thou on thy face? For Israel has sinned. Not Achan has sinned, but Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and disassembled also And they have put it among their own stuff. It's not so bad, Brother John. It's just a little garment. It's just a little silver and gold. It's just a little money. It's not that bad. Stop making it a big deal. It wasn't Joshua or anybody else. It was God that said, you're cursed. Israel's cursed. And Joshua's like, what have we done? And the elders, 36 brothers... We're carrying their their bodies out. Lord, what is happening? We were in a revival. God was doing great things. And my, Rahab came out and all her family. We we saw the effects of repentance. Now we see in verse 12 here as we try to bring this down to a close. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore except you destroy the accursed from among you. Up, sanctify the people. Verse 13, sanctify yourselves against to, tomorrow for thus saith the Lord. And he goes on to speak about these things. 
in the morning. He goes on to talk about how they were to bring all the ones, the tribes and the families. And then it'll come right down to the very person. You know what, friends? That was the time to repent. I don't want to add to the Bible or take away from the Bible. That was the time for Achan to say, it's me. You know, brothers, it's me. I mean, Jonah had that kind of a strength. When they got into trouble in the storm, he said, it is me. I'm the one. Throw me overboard. I mean, it's like I see what's happening to the rest of these innocent people. It's me. But you know what pride will do? You know what hardness of heart will do? Just think about themselves. Out of two million people, they're never going to come down to me. They lost a respect for the word of God. And God was going to show right away a lesson to everyone. That just one of you go astray, one family, it's going to affect all of you. Can, Can I just ask that question? When should Achan have repented? It should have been right then. It's like, I'll save all of you, all the turmoil. I, I see what the ministry's going through. I see what, look, 36 widows now in the church. And young people that don't have a dad. I'm, I'm the one. I, I repent. But it wasn't in Aiken. It wasn't there. I'm, I'm trying to bring you to something tonight. It's not in some people to repent. Don't go that way. Don't let that be you. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. Be quick to repent. Repentance is is not when you're caught. It's when the Holy Spirit talks to you and says, my beloved son, my beloved daughter, now is the time. So you can read down through this maybe when you get home. And you, verse 18, finally he brought his household man by man and Achan, the son of Carmi. And it goes on to speak how he was taken. Verse 19, and Joshua said unto Achan, my son, give I pray thee glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession unto him. Goodness. Make a confession. He should have already done that. Sure. It should have been from his own individual heart. I am wrong. That's the zeal of the hour. I am wrong. What do I need to do, brothers, to get back upright again? I, I want to see God's blessing. No, it took Joshua to all of this time and all of this energy, meeting after meeting. And okay, make a confession and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, indeed, I have sinned. Against the Lord God of Israel. And thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils. A goodly Babylonian garment. And two hundred shekels of silver. And a wedge of gold. Of fifty shekels of weight. When Then I coveted them. And took them. And behold. They are hid in the earth. In the midst of my tent. And the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers. And they ran unto the tent. That must have been a pretty awkward few minutes. Would you all agree? Achan's standing here and his family and they're all looking at Achan. That was awkward. And they ran to the tent and behold it was hidden his tent in the silver and they brought them. Verse 23 and you can read on down. They laid it out before the Lord. Verse 24 is a very sad verse. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan. This is a brother in the church. This is a, he's in the message. 
took Achan the son of Zerah and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses and his sheep and his tent and all that he had. And they brought Lord Jesus. We just heard about Rahab and her father and her mother and all her household was saved. Glory to God. And the very next few verses, it's just the opposite. His sons, his daughters, everything that he had in his tent and all of these things. Come on, brother. I mean, isn't this grace? Isn't this love? I mean, friends, that should have been in his heart a long time ago. Something was in his heart. Some lack of confession. I just say, God help all of us. You say, who are you talking about? Lord, if it's me, drive that out of my life. Let me be the first one. Friends, blushing prophet. Brother Branham said, let me be the first one. Now look at this. You, verse 24 is a very sad verse when it talks about his sons. And Can you imagine? Verse 25, And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord, the Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel, all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great big heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Conclusion of the whole matter. He wasn't willing to repent. And if you want to do some more study. The very next chapter. He could have had the spoils. Look at it in chapter 8, verse 2. He could have had the spoils. It's incredible. And the cattle and the spoil shall you take for a prey unto yourself. The very next few verses. He could have had it all. Could have had his garment. If you find some silver, find some gold. You know, make your money. Live wherever. Rent wherever. Drive whatever car you want. The very next chapter. These things are written for our examples. The very next chapter. He could have had it. What was it? It was a heart problem. It was a lack of confessing. And I just say, why? 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 It was a lack of timely confession. Friends, don't be a rich young ruler. He he got evangelistical down in hell. And the Bible says in hell, he lifted up his eyes. He, he wanted to tell, send somebody to my brethren. That's what Brother Branham said. That evangelist, he had a gift. Send somebody. Tell my brethren. Send somebody. You all know what Jesus said. The one rise from the dead. They still wouldn't believe. That, that answers the question about those that... See, when Brother Branham comes back, when Brother... Though one rise from the dead, you're still not going to believe any more than you do tonight. I say, God, drop it down into our hearts. You've given us a space to repent. Let's not shove it off and push it off and wait till the door's closed. That very same face of love and hand reaching out for mercy and somebody willing to pray with you. One day, oh my, and I have 
all the quotes in the message that Brother Tom has mentioned the last two services I have right here in front of me when Brother Bradham said, people, souls in prison now, people will go right on preaching, thinking they're getting saved, believing they're doing right, believing their organizations are growing, sure, and not even a ray of hope. Is that incredible? Calling Jesus on the scene. We're at the end time. I don't know the minute or hour, but I know something. Everything is fulfilled, ready for the rapture. The church is called out. It's a secret going. And the world will just go right on just the same. People preaching. People thinking they're getting saved. Just exactly like they did in the days of Noah. Noah entered into the ark. People went right on. And the world turning just the same. Think of it. And eternally lost thinking they're saved. In the Easter seal, they'll go right on thinking they're getting the Holy Ghost, being saved, and the rapture will be done, be over with, and gone. Is that incredible? They're playing on the organ. They're playing on the piano. Come, make a decision. Give your heart to Christ, and the bride's already gone. Oh, not at this church. Not at this church. Can we say amen? Not at this church. This is the day. And I'll just be honest with you. Forgive me for lingering. But whatever that kind of church that was, that was preaching that kind of doctrine, whoever was going to that church didn't make it in the rapture. Because their revelation was, come, be saved, get the Holy Ghost, and the bride's already gone. That shows whatever they were preaching before the rapture didn't have what it takes. Friends, tonight it's very, very serious. Can you imagine having meetings, thinking people are getting saved, come to the altar, and the bride's already gone? I say, God, help us tonight. Hallelujah. As our musicians come, I just pray God would just bring the missing limbs and restore them. Hallelujah. Bring the missing limbs and restore them. Brother Branham said, I believe the hour is approaching when missing limbs will be restored. I believe that time has arrived. I believe we're here. What is it going to take for us? Not a news article, not a worldwide virus, not the borders to shut down. None of that. It's the word the bride responds to. And tonight we have a golden opportunity to pray for ourselves, for our loved ones, and for all those. Brother Branham said, I apply the token to my church. That's what he said. I apply the token. In other words, let's get in and be saved. Let's be honest with one another. Let's be sincere. How many believe we're at a time when missing limbs can be spoken into existence? Brother Bradham talked about squirrels being spoken and all these different things. And he said, he right in this message, the fifth seal, he said, well, if God can do that for an animal, and that's a complete animal, can be created. What about a time when here if a man or woman just got a part missing? I believe that the hour is approaching when missing limbs will be restored. Hallelujah. And this is the time to begin to speak it out there. Missing limb, missing son, missing daughter, missing limb. In the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord give us that kind of faith, Lord Jesus. Drop it down into our hearts, Lord. Amen. Let's stand. Hallelujah. This is the time that we're living in.
Hallelujah. Let me walk with you, Jesus, Brother Ryan. Let me walk with you, Jesus. I just kept you. It's about 10 till 7. I kept you a little longer. Forgive me. Oh, let's walk with Jesus this week. Let's walk with him tonight. Let's walk with the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Maybe Brother Ryan, you can turn his mic on and he can help us. Oh, let me walk with you, Jesus. study and they're missing it. They're missing it. She's missing it. And I, there was one quote where Brother Bunham said, she doesn't understand. She's missing it. Then Brother Bunham just goes and begins to speak to her and talk about her life. She got it. I just pray, Lord, if any of us seem like we're missing it. Say, because I've heard it. You say, I'm just going through the motions. I'm just in a fog. I'm just, I'm just going through. Brother Andrew Spencer, 20 years. He's a good brother. Sang good, looked good. Good family, good church. Good message. Good Christ, good message, good prophet, good fivefold ministry, good camps. Good, 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 good. He's lost. Lord, help us to get one another to Christ. Help us to bring one another into that presence more where we speak about him more. It's just the atmosphere. That is the token. As we bow our heads tonight, how many would just say in your heart, Lord, I don't want to miss it. Oh, God. It's that little silver dollar in that ball way out there by Pluto, Neptune somewhere. But God, you found me. You found me, God. I was thinking this morning, Brother Tom, my heart is little down inside of me. So little that God found you and I. Heavenly Father, we just lift up our hearts tonight, God. Just in the atmosphere of the day and the songs, the prayers. Special this morning, the atmosphere of the brothers and sisters, the fellowship, the word. Lord, in just a few minutes, we're going to be pressed out there into a world that is vile and wants to rape our minds and destroy our hearts. It's wanting to harden us up and get us all focused back into school tomorrow and work tomorrow and bills are are due and God let us stop long enough this week to remember you Lord when we hear messages like have been spoken today and then messages referred to by your prophet prick our hearts Lord let it become a daily diet and we can speak about our prayer life and reading the scripture and getting into the message but all of that flows out of a life that is married to Jesus 
Lord, don't let us be on the outside looking in and trying to conform ourselves and just becoming good people. Don't let us miss it. Don't let us come short of the glory of God. Don't let us come to a place where if the righteous scarcely be saved, then how are those that are ungodly and the unrighteous, those that don't believe, those that are finding fault, those that are critical, those that are against, how are they going to make it? So Lord, if there's been any evil in our hearts, take it away, Lord. And Lord, as we close this service in this prayer, I pray you would touch every life, Lord. These viruses and things that are coming through the land will not come upon the soul of any believer. So we are claiming the lives of ourselves and our loved ones. Before we go out into this darkness, I pray the inoculation of the Holy Ghost would come into the veins of every son and daughter of God. To lay aside every weight. How you've been dealing with every heart already. To, to What to do or how to do it or someone to speak to or someone to stop or this and that Lord is all the workings of the Holy Spirit and we want to give you room and we want to give you time and we want to be more sensitive Lord I know as we all come through life it's so easy to default into talking about money or our health or issues or things that are going on but Lord when we speak about you you come into the room come into the situation Let us be real leaders as we read in the book of Joel. And Lord, let us be the first to humble ourselves. Let us be the first to call the solemn assembly. Let us lead out there by our godly examples to one another. To keep the main thing, the main thing. That not one of us, not one of us would be lost. Not one of us, Lord. Don't let one of us be an Achan. Right in the middle of the revival, Lord. Right in the middle of the token revival. Something comes into the heart. Oh, Jesus. You've gone to prepare a place for us. And it's so much better than this vile, wicked world. Come, Lord Jesus, to our hearts. Send a spirit of repentance, Lord. And a a real down as it was down to where the rubber meets the road to all of us Jesus may this week be a continuing of the revival where you can speak to us and we can put footprints Lord down into the side of those shoes and maybe it's speaking a word or going or doing something maybe it's just falling on our knees bless the people God they've been patient this afternoon Bless Brother Tom, Lord, and the ministry of our church, Brother Biscoe, Brother Tim Dodd, Brother Murphy Wong, Brother Ernie Villanueva that's in Florida tonight, and all the ministry, Brother Michael Ray, Brother Ken Andes, all the workers in our church, the school, every brother that's on the board, every sister that labors behind the scenes, all of those in the video, the sound, the recording that's trying to make... Lord, this is a better house for us to worship you in and send your voice around the globe. Go with us this week, Lord. May the love of God be strong within our hearts. And if someone, Lord, you have your hand upon them tonight, don't let them be so quick to run out. Just by foolish chatter or nonsense. And they lose that 
something how you've dealt with our hearts tonight or this morning. But let us, Lord, bring our alms before you, God. We love your appearing. Go with us now. And may the health of God be in our bodies, be in our spirits, and be in our souls. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Turn around and shake hands with somebody. Have a wonderful week. In the name of the Lord. Amen. You found me.